Indiana Runner Podcast Season 3, Episode 3. Taylor Marshall and I talk about the track season so far. There's surprisingly a lot to go over. Let's hit it. We're here. We're going to do an early, early indoor roundup. Colin Altavote and Taylor Marshall on the Indiana Runner podcast. Taylor, there have been three recent indoor state records. Uh, Mike Slawball keeps those records and has, has announced that these are the best indoor performances ever. We'll go through those one by one. Isaiah Sturry ran 407 in the 1600. That's also his best 1600 time regardless of venue it's yeah. the number 11 performance ever in indiana now isaiah ineligible for the postseason but just in the last few weeks he's recorded an indoor 1600 record and he ran a 3000 meter race that converted to 3200 would also be the all all time not just indoors all time indiana record over 3200 so he's having quite a an indoor season Absolutely no uh, season off for Isaiah Sturry, right? I mean, he's just crushing it right now. Um, good for him, you know, get out there and continue to compete. I know uh, he'll be at Notre Dame next year. Like you said, he ran up there uh, over the weekend and uh, 844 is roughly what he would have, like the conversion for the 3200. Yeah. And the record is 847. Yeah. Two boys yeah. have run 847. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's so great. It'll be fun to watch him uh, and see what events he participates in come this outdoor season and into the early summer before he heads up to South Bend. So uh, great to see him running really well. Kaylee Polizza ran 209 in the 800. Addie Wiley had set that standard last year in the indoor 800. And Addie Wiley is still in high school and we haven't seen her race yet. So that could be um, it could be a duel for this record, even back and forth through this indoor season. Now we'll talk about the HSR series. The the eight open eight hundred is rarely contested in Indiana. Once we start the HSR meets and things like that, um, but Kaylee Polizza of Valpo two oh nine that is also her best eight hundred time. Um, I think probably by by tenths. Uh, she was I believe she was second last year at the state meet. And that's the Indiana number eight performance ever. How, uh, how seriously do you think a fresh Kaylee Polizza could chat challenge Addie Wiley if Wiley ran the 1600 at the state meet? Um, you know what? I think it's still Addie Wiley's race. I think uh, Polizza could run a really strong time, uh, maybe push her, but I, I think Addie Wiley's the class of the field right now. And I, you know, I would put my, my cards all on her Um but, you know, Polizza's running really well. So in addition to the, the 209, um, you know, she's run 57-5-7 uh, uh, indoors for the 400. Um, I believe the 209, uh, from what I could find, her 209-18, it was a U.S. number four right now as of today. And she also has run a 458, which is a U.S. Uh, number 24. And, you know, in Indiana, there's no, there's no indoor season. There's indoor meets, but it's all part of the overall track and field season, right? And we'll get into this. We'll talk about 
HSR. Yeah, should we should we explain that? Do you want to do that now or do you want to wait? Uh, we'll get to it later. Okay. But I, it's impressive what Halitza has done at this point because there are some states where indoor track is an official thing and they have week in and week out meets and they're they're competing pretty consistently and there's a lot of states up in the northeast and new england and and some other places that have an official indoor track season i mean there are a lot of races going on it's not just like certain certain events in the indiana leaderboards indiana runner leaderboards which people just haven't done them yet right and we haven't seen a lot of the best kids in the state Um, Paul, let me me ask you this. What what do you think about that? Would you like, as you mentioned, there is no official indoor season. The IHSA doesn't differentiate between whether you run an inside or outside. After the date, you can go. Uh, What do you think about that? Should Indiana have at some point, or would you like to have um, a separate indoor season and then pick up with an outdoor season at some point? I think it would be tough because there's just not enough venues for those meets in Indiana. Yeah. And I also think it would be tough for a lot of the kids, distance runners, especially that like, okay, we're going to go all the way through the cross country season and the season's over. And then we're racing in December and January and and February. I I think that's, I think that's challenging. Would I like an extra stipend? Sure. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. You could just give me that money if you wanted though. I was going to, but you've just ruined the surprise. So now I don't know what to get you for your birthday. time to think about it yeah um so i don't know Uh, going back to your question i still think addy wiley uh will you know right now i I would bet on her to win the 1600 um that she has just shown to be uh head and shoulders above anybody else um but we're also talking on february 10th so but um, you'd pick wiley to win the 16 and the eight even if polizza doesn't run anything else and just runs the 800 yes i think i agree i think i agree with you but I think this also shows just what what how high of a you know worth it worth the all-time high point for Indiana girls distance runners. Yeah. That you know, this is she ran the fastest 800 ever. And she she goes to Valparaiso. I mean, she she's on a she's on a, a, a blue blood program, good coaching. So it's not as if there's a an issue with the periodization of her training that she's hitting it too early, right? can be pretty confident in that and she ran 209 and she's not even the favorite in any of the events and she's she's like an all-state level like an all-time level in in multiple events um tucker smith threw 68 feet and five inches in the shot he already has the indiana all-time record um that's an outdoor but this is the, the the best from indoor this is a we you and i talked about this but it wasn't for public consumption it was just you and I took a lot because we work at the same place and we also do stuff outside of work, but like, it's a really strong year in the boys shot. This might be the, the best event at both the, uh, well, no, let me put it this way because I think the, the indoor state meet, even though we do contest the shot at HSR, uh, it's big school, small school. So let me say this, the outdoor state meet, the uh, event I'm looking forward to most is the boys shot put because uh, you you've mentioned Tucker Smith and his 68 and a half already. Right. Um, Colin Wilson from Hamilton Heights has thrown 59 feet, three and a quarter. That's the very very well-named 
Holland. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I think that's where his boost of power comes from. Yeah, I mean, he'd be throwing like 49 if his name was something like, you know, Jason or something. I don't know. Sure, yeah, uh, Taylor. Or Taylor. Oh, God, he'd be throwing 20 it's feet. Way too androgynous, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, by the way, Tucker Smith, 68, uh, 68 and a half. That's uh, good for U.S. number two right now. Colin Wilson, Hamilton Heights, has thrown 59 feet, three and a quarter. That's good for U.S. number 18. And a kid we got to see throw in person a few weeks back, the sophomore sensation, Luke Himes from Heritage Christian. Uh, he has thrown 58 feet, nine and three quarters, and that is good for U.S. number 23. So, um, yes, and he threw. Remember, he threw that 60, and we measured it just to yes. see, and it was like 62 feet plus, but he, yeah. he fouled it, and it was a toe foul. It wasn't like – Right. His, his, toe, help him yeah, out his, yeah. The, yeah, his foot laying on the toe board there. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was incredible. I mean, just watching him throw uh, dad was a collegiate uh, athlete uh, thrower well, as well. So we saw it's Himes, right? Not Heinz Himes with an M, right? Yeah. M is in Mary. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw Himes throw at that meet and you and I are watching him and he's just bombing some of those, those shots to the point that we backed up the, the barriers twice and on his last throw he still threw it past the barrier yeah I mean on the bounce but still and we're like well this is definitely the best shot putter in the country was in Indiana but this is definitely number two and that may not be the case I mean it may be that there's just it's such a deep year that typically like anything at 60 feet is going to put you right in the mix to win and there's been years where guys threw 58 59 feet and won and this yeah. year, we've already got guys doing that. So, though you brought this up, Himes, 58 feet, nine and three quarters, that throw at last year's state meet would have been good for sixth place. So, he's already there. Now, neither Wilson nor Himes made the state meet last year. Um, I think that's kind of a fluke, right? We're talking about a, a kid who was a sophomore, another kid who was a freshman. Um, they both thrown pretty well, especially Himes going into the regional meet. I firmly believe both will be there. Uh, it will be a not going out of a limb on that one. What's that? Not not a very bold prediction there. Well, they're both I gonna be I was going out meet. on a limb. I'm going out on a giant branch somewhere that's very safe and secure. Uh, they will compete yeah, for a, second in a treehouse. Yeah. Hey, I had a treehouse growing up. It was a lot of fun. Um, but Luke Himes may uh, push Tucker Smith's record as a senior. I think that's something to keep in the, let's celebrate Tucker Smith and what he does and his approach to 70 feet. And I hope we get to watch it and cheer for that at some point this season, but kind of in the back of our minds, be thinking about, could we watch somebody break what seems to be an incredible record now in another two years? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, and the sophomore class record is like 60 feet, right? It's it's yes. right around there. And I think, you know, I, I definitely think Himes could break that this year. And I, I don't know that the Smith have that record because that was the year, that was the COVID year, but maybe he could have found a random meet. So he, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. It's a good question. Yeah, he may have had something early in the year before the shutdown. So yeah, that's that's another thing to keep to keep an eye on because we you're right we did have some meets there were a few indoor meets and then the shutdown was like mid March so there was an opportunity I remember we went to one meet that I think I think I saw you there yeah 
back when you were coaching a different school. We did talk about Brian Stevens' uh, seven one and a half of an inch clearance last podcast. He's really good at multiple events. And then not a record, but Cody Johnston from Hobart cleared 16-4 and three quarters at a meet. He's the heavy favorite in the vault. And what's interesting to me is that he was third last year and his brother won the event. So they could keep it in the, in the family for the next, yeah. I, I believe he's a junior. So in, in the family for the next three years, he's clearly the class of, of the vault in Indiana right now, which is another good event for Indiana. The pole vault. Yeah. 16 feet, four and three quarters. That's us number nine from what I found. So um, yeah, really, really impressive. Um, let's see. There's a, one other, um, you talked about Stevens, right? U.S. number one here. And like you said, it was on the previous podcast. Um, he That jump would have obviously won the state meet last year. Um, yeah, and I think he, Josh and I talked about this and, and you follow overall track and field really well. Um, I, I think he was one of the best kids last year and just didn't jump well at the state meet, right? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I think, a, a tough event uh, to be consistent. I think it's just sort of, I mean, you've got guys who are just really strong, but, you know, I think you're a little more prone to having maybe an off day, whereas in some other events, it it's not as volatile, right? The 100 dash. Um, 3,200. You know, 3,200, yeah, you are. 32, right. Um, but 100. In the, yeah, in the, in the high jump, you could really pop one off or you could just have a day that just, Hey man, just wasn't for you. So some other topics we could, we could get into early on here. Brownsburg boys are a really serious contender for the title. They were second last year and they've got a good mix of a star and a superstar and good depth. Now depth, depending on what you mean by that, you know, depth in cross country is like, Hey, we've got four guys that can run close to 16 minutes or whatever. Right. But depth and track is hard because to finish other than the relays to finish in the medals, to score any type of points, you have to be one of the nine best girls or boys in that event on that day after progressing through the tournament and the ninth best kid to say like, Oh, depth. And you know, a, a boy finishes eighth in his event. He's like a star, right? He's one of the nine best kids in that event on that day. Right. Right. Um, They've got Brownsburg boys. Now it's, it's early and the indoor leaderboards are made a lot for uh, recognition. So like, it's like 55 seconds to get on the boys 400. Right. But, but kids are going out and doing these meets. We want to give them recognition, but Brownsburg has five boys on the leaderboard in the 60, four boys in the 200 and two boys in the 400. So what do you make of that type of sprint depth and how does that maybe help them? At, at the region and uh, a loaded regional and then the state meet. I mean, it makes them a serious contender. I mean, just, you, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to use the F word, the F word in this case being favorite, right? Because okay. family friendly. Um, but when you have guys, uh, when we talk about this depth, right? So you've, you've got uh, a four by one. That's really strong right there. From what you can tell, you've got a four by four. You've got guys who will likely be, present in both the one and or the two um plus we know you know cole quit you know in, in the hurdles right a heavy favorite in the 110s and the 300 so um when you have guys in those explosive sprint events 
who can show up on, you know, what is likely to be an 80 degree day, right? I mean, think about Ben Davis last year and how warm it was. It was 80 um, Celsius. Yeah, it was hot, especially for the girls. It was really hot that day. Um, it, and they can do multiple events. This is how you win the state meet, right? The distance kids, you know, you and I as cross country coaches, and, you know, we, we get excited about the distance races and for good reason. But if you're thinking about a team championship, you've got to have kids who can do three or four events, obviously, including relays on those on that day of, of the state meet. And Brownsburg has a team that can do that. And it's just, it's not just show up and, and be there and, and take in the sights and, oh my gosh, we're back in Bloomington and look, no, no, no. These are guys who will, who will go and, and it is a, a business trip and they will do very well. They're not afraid of uh, the sort of bright lights, right? Brownsburg has shown that the past several years. So um, they're definitely a team uh, that's a, like you, as you said, a serious contender for the title. And an interesting dichotomy between two potential, you don't say the F word on this podcast, but two potential contenders of, you know, Brownsburg that is like a clearly showing that they've got a lot of sprint depth and that's, that's, that's potentially where the points are at against, you know, a, a, a distance heavy school with a distance superstar and another one in, in a penchant for scoring high in, in the distance relays or the mid distance relays, um, it could, could be interesting. And those two teams are in the same regional too. And that's part of it. It's not in cross country, the best teams are going to get there and it's all about the state meet, but in track, the individuals have to progress through the tournament. And this is, this is the early, early podcast. We'll hit you again with an early podcast, but this well, is the early, early indoor podcast. And these are just two, two teams that we're, we're naming. But, well, we named one. We alluded to the other. The other one I'll name for you, and that's the Carmel Boys because I've got them down on my list here. But there are a few other teams in consideration. Um, but as you said, it's very early. So it's based in part on what we see now, what we saw in the fall, and what returns from last year at Ben Davis. Right. And in track, too, it's tough. In, in cross country, there's INCC stats, and, and you can essentially go through certain rounds and, and delete the seniors and look through some JV and stuff like that. But in track, it's so much harder to do to figure out that there, there are – now, last year was an all-time weird year because we didn't have the season before. Yeah. So we had, you know, kids scoring or even winning state championships that had never even run in the state beat before. Um, so this year will be a little more predictable, but track is just overall more unpredictable. And one of the wild cards to the track season is that you may have a kid that was really, really good in his event and the events are anything other than distance, basically, but he may be a division. The reason that he's a good at track in his event or events is that he's an all-time great athlete and it's a division one football player. And you talked about this when we talked about whether Isaiah Stewart was going to leave early for Notre Dame or not. Right. And um, like a lot of those football programs, they want the kids on campus as early as they can get and they graduate early and they want them on, you know, they want them there for spring football. They want them there in January. And so some of those guys may not be here at all. Right. And I've yeah. heard that about at least one thrower that's going to play at Notre Dame and he's, he's gone because, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. and, and I, I love track. I love high school track. Yeah. I get it. 
Yeah, it's hard. If you, you know. want to play football at Notre Dame, I'm trying to get on campus as early as possible and get yeah. situated and see what it's like. Uh, this is this is something you you know quite a bit about, given your uh, history and previous employment. Do you think this is going to be a Ramaya Elliott comeback tour? Now, she won the 200 and 400 last year. Yeah. But it, it was a slower build. There was, I'm guessing there was some sort of injury, some sort of reason why she came into it later. But, you know, she still won the 200 and 400, but she didn't seem full bore Ramaya Elliott. But right now she's got top performances in the state. It's early in the 60 and the 200, but it's commanding. And the 200, it's like a full second. Yeah, it's she's way up there. Um, to answer the question, is this a comeback tour? Yes, I believe so. Um, she did not or is not currently because their team is still in it uh, playing basketball. So she had previously she's not played playing at all this year. Not at all this year. Is she committed um, yet for next year? She's committed to Florida. She's going to the University of Florida. Um, so I think, you know, uh, not that basketball makes you slower by any means, but I mean, she's taking a different approach. Um, that 763, which is uh, in the 60, that's an Indiana number one right now. That's her PR. So when we talk about a comeback tour, there's an indicator already that early on we've got some pretty strong fitness, as you said, a second plus ahead in the 200. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, she's got the number one time in the 60. I don't know how significant of a lead she has. Like the 60 is not even close to her best event. The 400 is her best event, right? Correct. The second best time in Indiana in the 60 column is TJ McKenzie at a seven, eight, six. So she's over two tenths of a second, which is a long time over 60 meters. And as you said, it is not her bread and butter. I mean, she does well, obviously she will do well. If she runs the hundred meter dash at the state meet, she will do well. But I think her best event is like, like you said, the 400, maybe the 200. Um, and then I would anticipate depending on what the North central girls bring back. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, that uh, it's, 40, it's 40, right? One, two, four, four by one. It's 40. It should be one. one yeah. One, two, four by one would make sense. I would one, two, uh, four, four by one. Right. Uh, yeah. And the 400 is her, probably her best event. I mean, that's her college event. You think? Yeah, I would say so. Um, she's not going to be bumped to the eight. She's going to run what, yeah, Okay, she's not going to. She's not going to be bumped to the eight. What? What could? She, what could she run for the eight hundred? We're two distance coaches here, right? This is what. This is our thing. Like what? Yeah. So she's run like I don't know, 54, 55 seconds for the open four hundred. We yeah. get. We get a. We get her in an eight hundred. Could she run two ten? I think two ten might be a little aggressive. I think. 215 to 220 range in the right. Okay. So, so not, I mean, compared to what she is in the 200 and 400, it's just not. I think it's a bit of a stretch. And, and remember, she, the way she trains, she trains for the one, the two, the four, right? I mean, that's a different approach. Right. You, you well, and the conversations, she, you know, that's very different than running hard for two minutes and 10 seconds or two minutes and 15 seconds or 220 you know, she's, she's not doing that type of training that might set her up for and most, most high school kids are in the wrong event. If you think, if you have forward thinking and you're thinking about what their best event's going to be in high school, right? Most Indiana high school or what their best event's going to be in college, rather 
most Indiana high school kids, when they get to college, end up having the best 400 kids from Indiana. The state champion went to our school last year. As soon as he got to his school, a, a major Big Ten school, they bumped him up to the 800. Most kids are in the wrong event. She's not in the wrong event. Her best event, just like Lena Irby, her best, she was in the like one, two, four, 400 is probably her best event, yeah. but it's not like she's, she's so good at that event. She's not going to need to bump up the way most kids will. Yeah. I collegially, will she run the hundred probably a little bit here and there, but it's more likely 400 with some 200 would be my guess, but at Florida, you said Samira Killebrew goes to Florida. Yes. And that's funny because her best event is the 60. Yeah. 100 is almost too long for her because the 60 is more about, right, like acceleration and getting out of the box. And that is, that's yeah. her strength. Um, you mentioned TJ McKenzie from Northrop. I, I think she could potentially lead a Northrop revenge. They were the favorite last year at the state meet. They didn't perform very well. They ended up not running some of their last couple of events. She has yeah. number two, Indiana number two performances early, early. 60 and 200 and she's already long jumped over 19 feet yeah which is i mean we'll, we'll go whole years and not see girls over 19 feet yeah i mean you know when you talk about uh a revenge tour you talk about uh, a contending team that you know again it just wasn't their day at ben davis but when you have uh an athlete like her who can score big points in three events and contribute on a relay I, you know, that's, again, that's what you're looking for, right? I mean, you're, that's, that puts your team in the hunt. Um, and then if you get a few other complimentary pieces, you know, girl who can score a couple here or there, now you're in, you know, you're in the driver's seat. Uh, distance wise, I mean, we're, we're big, we're big on the distance, obviously. Okay. I'm um, sorry. Got you. Go uh, you mentioned McKenzie here. I just double checked my notes here. That uh, 19 feet and uh, one half inch, that's U.S. number 14 right now. Right. That's, so that's pretty good considering how many states are having official meets and they're, they're going week in and week out. And I think she's probably, I mean, she's probably jumped once, maybe twice. Yeah. Um, on the distance side, four girls have already run under five minutes in the 1600. Yeah. So the, those would be Addison Canabolo did it at, the Indiana runner meet sign up. There's two coming up pretty soon. You're going to love it. I'll, I'll clerk you in. We can chat while you check in for your race. Yeah. Um, Bailey Ranter in 454 the other week, maybe just last weekend. Yeah. Uh, 14. Kaylee Polizza broke five minutes. And then there's one more that I'm missing. Do you know who does on the top of your head? Uh, Did the leaderboards pulled up? Uh, I can I've got the trade machine pulled up. There's our miscellaneous minute. Great radio right here as we. Yeah. Uh, the other girl is uh, Addie Wiley, Addison Wiley, right? 457.51. Oh, she's gone somewhere already. Okay. Yeah. Last year, she did a lot more indoor meets early. And I think part of that was probably the uncertainty of this could end at any second. We might as well go while they've got meets and try to. Yeah. see what we can do and she had run i think she had records for 8 16 and 3200 indoors and the yeah. 800 record just got just got broken although she may have a chance here in the next month to reclaim it you know potentially 
that that would be my guess would be she might be at the one especially i mean the one at taylor's i don't know how far taylor is from huntington but it can't be more than like 45 minutes so um and the, and the other one i mean I, I i could ask i could ask matt her coach but um yeah i guess she'll probably be at some of these over the next over the next few weeks uh to a lot of top freshman girls a lot of freshman girls on the leaderboard yeah, so two freshman girls that I wanted to highlight here um, is going through, and you you kind of mentioned this, right, as cross-country coaches and with INCC stats and all that, you can kind of know going into the track season who the um, sort of top distance freshman girls are. Um, you know, they made a name for themselves throughout the fall. When you talk about the sprint side, it's sort of, you know, you have no idea, right? Um, you know, unless you have just a, a huge following, you're a, a phenom coming in, Alina Irby or Maya Elliott, where eighth grader, you know, as an eighth grader, people know about you coming. Oh, she's so-and-so. Um, that's really impressive. So it's, the Lance Stevenson, as we would say. Lance Stevenson was one of the best basketball players in the country in eighth grade. Born I ever see a really, really good eighth grade athlete, I'm like, Lance Stevenson. Zoe Duffus. She was like, what, 450, whatever, in eighth grade? Yeah. Lance Stevenson. Born ready. Um, so two to point out, uh, one, Izzy Neal from Brownsburg. Um, she has run 805 for the 60. That's number four in the state right now. And a 2713 in the 200, and that's number six in the state right now. Um, so really uh, strong. Again, another Brownsburg uh, shout out right there. Um, Kaya Crook from Heritage Christian. Um, she has run 819 in the 60. That's um, a US, or sorry, that's an Indiana number nine, right? Indiana number nine. Um, she also high jumps. So she has jumped a uh, five feet, seven inches, which is a US number seven. And that would have placed uh, 20, sorry, that would have placed fourth at last year's state meet. Yeah, five, seven, that's solid. Five, seven. Yeah, that's really good. And then she's also a long jumper because this girl is just amazing. And um, she has jumped 17 feet, two and a half inches. And that's good for number three in the state right now. So Quite an um, athlete. yeah, and incredible as a freshman too. So, you know, shout out Kaya Crook. Um, we'll, we'll see you some more this season. That's really fun. And then one other freshman who I believe attends Homestead um the caramel of fort wayne as we say on the streets yeah well you're the fort wayne guy so i don't know I, so i would know i don't know listen um, i lived in fort wayne i lived in carmel i know what the caramel of fort wayne yeah is. you're the good the venn diagram is just like a perfect circle uh anna ream and she has run uh 993 in the 60 meter hurdles and that's uh indiana number eight so um, we, I think we've got into this or we've talked about this in a uh, previous podcast during the fall that, um, the, the freshman class and, uh, cross country wasn't as strong as typical freshman classes and that there were no all state freshmen at this state. And, meet. There and a, tough, a tough year to do it because there's so many good up top that, you know, so 43rd at the Indiana state meet, you know, randomly would maybe typically be more like 30th or 25th. Right. So that's right. part of and, it. And yeah. So, but I, I think where we, we don't see the, the distance in that class, we are seeing, you know, just very early on glimpses of the, of the sprint and kind of explosive athletes with the jumps 
Um, and, uh, you know, so it's exciting for some new freshmen as we think about people like Elliot McKenzie starting to, you know, phase out, graduate, right? Who are the next um, really exciting sprint stars to watch on the girls' track side? Um, it could be a couple of those girls I just named. So indoor meets going on now because you can't run outdoors. Tracks have snow on them. Our this, tracks still have our, snow on them. Yeah, I, I was hoping that it would very. It's a very, very low amount, but you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna run on the snow. You're not gonna run on the ice unless you're that. That uh, you see the thing from that. Who's the the Norwegian guy that has the world record in the 400? Have you seen this? And they, he's like running with his like training partners who are like a couple of women there. They're running on the snow or whatever. And they're training. And it's like whatever it takes. And it made its rounds on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, somebody with some sense got on there and goes, you guys realize this is a post for Instagram. Like you wouldn't actually work out. A world-class athlete wouldn't actually work out on that. He would find this is just an attention getting device. Well, we, we could jump down the rabbit hole of social media posts that involve workouts just for the attention of it but um you so anyways in march yeah they're going to be indoor and outdoor meets simultaneously and the genesis of this would be last year there weren't indoor meets much if any at all and so a lot of schools decided to have outdoor meets in march some of them in southern indiana where it's more likely to be warm because of the the way that north south works and uh some of them were flex meets. This is what the school that you and I teach at, coach at, flex meets. Okay, we've got to meet this week, these two teams, and on Sunday night, the head coaches and the athletic directors are going to talk and decide what's the best weather day for this meet Monday through Thursday, or maybe Tuesday through Thursday. I'm not sure. Yeah. So there's going to be indoor and outdoor meets in March. How do you think teams are going to handle that? Well, that's interesting because I've been asking a couple of coaches, right? And you know, I, I've heard a lot say I like the outdoor meets. Um, they, you know, some, and this is a good point. In the outdoor meet, almost everybody or everybody gets to participate, right? And if you have a large team, like you and I coach, um, when you go to the indoor meets, a handful of your best kids typically get to compete. And that's for good reason, right? I mean, there's limited facilities. We can't be there for, you know, 24 heats of the whatever, right? There's just no time for that. So um, you can't I, have I a dual understand. meet indoors because there's just not enough. There's, right. not a, there's not enough venues. Right. And most of the venues are owned by colleges who also want to have their own meets on it. Right. And, you know, when you go to the outdoor meets, right? Uh, so if, for those who don't know, because there really hasn't been much of an indoor season, certainly not an HSR indoor season. Uh, and I say indoor season, but you know what I'm saying. Um, the HSR series, there's a better word. The HSR series uh, follows a different format than the outdoor uh, meets do. Right. Well, the um, R stands for relays. Right. So there are only a couple individual events and they're mostly relays. Um, so anyway, I've heard from a lot of coaches who said, you know, maybe we'll do a qualifier and our conference indoor meet if we have one. If you're um, in a conference. If you're in a conference. What's that like? I don't know. Uh, forgotten. 
uh, and then the whoever qualifies for the HSR finals and who is an off on spring break somewhere will take them to Bloomington and go. So I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, one thing I like about the indoor meets is that you know that you, you're guaranteed one day, or you can, you know get after it that week right like the other meets not like um you know i mean it's it's march in indiana right i mean you could have you know if you remember back i think it's 2018 uh it was the day before my uh my previous life at my old school uh we went on spring break and yes uh, 2018 it was a mess half the teams didn't show up yeah huge snowstorm very few i'm surprised we could go we went and no big uh, deal we won the four by and the four by four that year because nobody showed up yeah well i know somebody who was on spring break otherwise we, yeah, um, but Taylor, we were in 756. You wouldn't have beaten us. Oh, this was a, okay. This was a different year. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll hash that out later when on the podcast. Uh, but the uh, maybe uh, I don't know. We would go watch the game tomorrow, but you're busy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm well, sorry. Uh, it is Valentine's weekend, so yeah, that's Saturday. You know what? This let's keep let's keep it moving. You know, okay, yeah, about. good reminder right there. For we're getting into our social schedule. Yeah. Uh, well, the, anyway, the, uh, the, I like the indoor meets to an extent, I, I think a healthy mix of both, right. Have, have both. That's what we have on our current schedule right now. So, yeah. um, you know, that will be good, but, uh, I think we'll, what'll be interesting to see is what, uh, coaches choose to do and moving forward. And then I think some of that also, uh, falls on, uh, what, uh, restrictions, different colleges and universities are still following. I right do think, now. I do think too, with the March meets that, we had an unbelievably mild March last year. And I hope that we're not being lulled into complacency in terms of what March might actually entail in terms of getting competitions in. Because, you know, you and I've talked about this a lot recently. Like what's the minimum, what's the lowest high temperature that you could have on a day and still feel like you could hold an outdoor track meet? Uh, what time of the year? Is it March? March. Because if it's March, I'm going to say 50. I think 50 makes sense because 50 means it's 50 at three or four o'clock. But these outdoor meets now, especially with later start times, um, and eventually all of these high schools are going to get to late start times and late dismissals, meaning all of these things are going to be pushed back even farther, further. Like 50 means that in the, the 200, the 3,200 and the four by four are happening at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And it's not 50 anymore. And there's a certain temperature where it's not a great idea. The 3,200 is fine. You do that, whatever. They had that one in Louisville and it was like 35 degrees and kids were running like 855. But it's not a great idea to be having some of these events if it's 40 degrees outside. And I, I don't want to get into the whole Midwestern thing, but like, then you add the wind into that and it's dark. Yeah. That could, and last year we had a meet and it was Westfield Carmel dual meet and it was like March 10th or something, but it was just randomly 55 or 60 degrees that day for the high. And it was 50 when we ran the 800, the 200, the 3200, the four by four, whatever. But I'm worried that a lot of these meets on our schedule aren't going to happen. Although 
those meets didn't exist two years ago. So in the worst case scenario, we don't have them and, and we just don't, don't do right. it. But I think those, at least for us, and again, this is a, you know, Hamilton County, Hamilton County, Marion County situation, big teams, like those meets this year that last year were for everybody. I think like 12 kids ran 205 or faster in the 800 at that Westfield Carmel dual meet on March 10th. Those this year now will probably be more of a JV meet because the kids running in the varsity to qualify, you know, you've got, like you said, you got to have one qualifier, one conference, or maybe just one of either of those. A conference could be the qualifier. One qualifier meet in the finals for your varsity kids. But the rest of the kids need some more meets. And so, yeah, hopefully we can have those meets in March. We had one against Fishers mid to late March on a Saturday morning you know, starting at 10 o'clock and it was like 75 degrees by the end. It was the greatest March day ever. Right. But yeah. I'm worried that that's, that's not necessarily always yeah. going to be the case. You're probably right that we know in the past few years, that's not what marshes look like, but last year was really nice. And as you mentioned, you know, I took my team to new Albany uh, three weekends in a row. Um, it was a drive, but weather's warmer. It was already, you know, kind of a, uh, outlier and in terms of how warm it was as you mentioned and and some of those were chilly right uh the texting you from the meat while i sat and ate mexican food in an undisclosed location in central indiana but some of them were pretty chilly Uh, when when you first got well listen when i show up at the meet it's early so it was chilly and then it warmed up (laughs) yeah it was 4 30 in the morning yeah it could have been a reaction to the uh covid vaccine they got the day before it was pretty uh it was kind of sickly after that um, but yeah, it, it warmed up to like the fifties. I mean, you know, by the time the it's a noon or fifties is fine for a track meet, just fine. 50s and, is fine. Yeah. And they ran an awesome meet and did a great job. And, uh, you know, I think they're doing a similar thing this year. So if you're a coach listing, you're looking for something to do. I don't know if they have openings, shout out new Albany for hosting us. You guys did an awesome job. That may be something for us to think about too. I mean, yeah, it's a relay format. So what they called is Hoosier Southern Relays, uh, sort of a playoff it's Hoosier clever. State Relays. And each Saturday features, uh, or at least featured. Yeah, well, uh, lawsuit's coming. We're part of the Coaches Association. You can't take our acronym. Until they kick me out, I don't know. Yeah, we own those letters. Yeah. Um, speaking, great, great segue here, Taylor. This is why you and I just work. Yeah, HSR finals, March 26th in Bloomington, Indiana runner at this point, nothing official, Indiana runner is planning to webcast those, the boys and girls. Well, that's not how it's split up. The big school and the small school state indoor unofficial championship. I don't think those words were in the right order. The unofficial indoor state championship. From Bloomington in Indiana, the, the the site of the indoor and outdoor state championships, one official, one unofficial. We're playing to webcast it. The small school is at 10. I'll do that one. The big school is at four. I might help out with that one as well. Uh, yeah. What are some? You're going to make it to that one? Yeah, but I mean, I'll, you know, I'll do some coaching. I'll do some talking on the mic, but yeah, like when the race is going on now, I'm not sure in the middle of the four by eight, when Charlie Schumann's got the baton, I'm not sure that everybody wants to hear Well, tip of my hand there to our strategy. I'm not sure everybody wants to hear my thoughts on that or they do, but I don't want them to hear my thoughts, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll probably do both. 
Yeah, I mean, I went to IU, so I was going to suggest that maybe, you know, when you were done with your duties for the small school that, I mean, Buffaloes is pretty good, Mother Bears, I thought we could go grab, grab a bite, you know, Kilroy, or, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that'll be like 10 o'clock at night, I'll do whatever you want. That yeah. Point. Yeah, I'll, yeah. well, maybe, maybe you and I can do, you know, maybe you can chime in on the small school webcast, and we could just hang out, coach during the big school, and then. So those yeah. random restaurant names you said. Uh, what about some some events to watch? I guess it's it's a little early, right? I mean, we're we're six seven weeks away from that. It's early. Um, I four guess by, boys four by eight. Boys four by eight. Boys yeah, that that'll be a good one to watch. Obviously, you have uh, a vested interest, as you've said here on the podcast. That could be pretty good. Um, I think. And and here's the other thing we had to consider: this meet falls around spring break for a lot of teams so we can get geared up for an event and then a few of the kids are right. on break and they're not but that's fine let's assume they're there um for the most I'm, part though despite that historically it's been very very competitive yeah yeah but it only takes one kid being gone for the four by whatever to not be as competitive right right um you know we'll be excited to see what uh the four by two brings on a few of these right as an indicators we talk about do you have the the depth in the sprint events to uh be a contender at the outdoor state meet the four by two right would let us know okay we got a four by one we might have a four by four we got a couple sprinters in the, in the one two maybe we got some field event guys so we'll kind of see what that uh brings um the other thing is uh with the format of the meet which of the distance kids opt to run the 3,200 uh, and then uh, what they do after, right? So uh, the setup is uh, trials for the sprint events, right? Sprint events being the 60 and the 60 hurdles, right? Uh, Then the 3,200 and then the finals for those two sprint events. Um, After that, it's four by eight. So there's not a lot of time. Uh, yeah, you can't really minutes. run the 3,200 and then come back into the four way. Uh, if I'm coaching, you know, that's, that's just too hard. It just, it's like, it's the turnaround is so tight. Um, even with it being a, a boys and girls combined meet. So, you, you know, maybe a 32 DMR you could work or, or potentially right. a four by eight DMR. But um, the issue is that they used to be four by eight, four by two, four by four DMR. So you could do both. Now it's four by four by two DMR four by four to help people if they want to help people double between the four by two and the four by four. But it was very hard before they flipped. Right. It's still hard now. Yeah. But, but four heats of the DMR is pretty substantial. I mean, I guess that's probably an hour. They're probably fine if you run the four by, especially since the four by twos first. But now it's very difficult to do the four by eight and the DMR. Yeah. Because there's only those heats of the four by two between. Right. And then the, the other gender racing and that's it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, but it's like you said, it's hard. It's a tough turnaround. So be interested in that. Um, you know, look, if we get to go watch a kid jump over seven feet indoors at IU, that's awesome. You know, let's see what if Stevens, uh, you know, does that on that day. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I guess those are the kind of events that I'm looking forward to um kind of give an idea the the hard part is the again the format for the hsr finals very different than what you see outdoors so while the team that wins the hsr finals may be 
a contender, it doesn't necessarily mean they win right. outdoors. Um, right. But it just means that they they have a pretty good team. I mean, there's, you know, they're in the conversation. They're in the mix. Well, and I think it, there was a year I coached the boys at Carmel. There was a year that I think we won and all we did was we won one relay. We finished the relays were worth double. We won one relay. We finished second in another. And I think we had like a field event guy get like two or three points. And that was enough to win. That's yeah. like, that's not a very accurate representation of what it takes outdoors. Right. And then I think one of the years we dominated this, the real estate meet, we were like way back. We scored like 12 points or whatever at the finals. Yeah. So yeah. Like some said, of that, you know, depending on situation is who's available and what the coach thinks about the indoor, you know, state meet quote unquote, you know, so there's, there's a lot that goes. To that. Right. Yeah, you're still, you're a, still two months out. Plus. Right. And there was like a group, a group text of our coaches and we were kind of going over, you know, what do, what do you think we should, what do you think we might want to do for that meet? You know, is there, are we going to run our guys in 3,200? No. Uh, but you, what relays might we want to do? And somebody had said like, well, relays were double. And it's like, well, you know, how much do you care about the score of that meet versus just like the competition and the, the individual relays, the individual events? What do you, what do you really care about? Right. All right. You ready? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. It's going to be tougher. Girls first year. We're in, we're an even year. 2022 girls first top Taylor's top four girls teams. How do you rank them right now? Top four. You want in a particular order? I want four this- through one. Four through one. Oh boy. Okay. Um, if you run right. down one through four, you just read them the opposite order. Yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, shoot. That's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Just look at you're at one, two, three, four. Just look at the bottom and go. I was reaching for my calculator trying to figure out how to do this math here. Um, all right. My number four team on the girls' side right now uh, would be Noblesville. Okay. Um, my number uh, three team will be the number two team from last year, and that's Warren Central. Um, my number two team uh, will be Zionsville. Uh, Zionsville is going to have a good mix. Um, their their cross country girls didn't have the the best year. They're hit by some injuries, but um, we're many months away, and it's a brand new season. And um, I firmly believe they'll they'll bounce back and be in the conversation right there. And then, oh, can I cop out here or do you're going to hold me to, to four? Well, you started at four, so I feel like yeah. you should have a one. Okay, I tell you what, here we go. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. Are you going to do a co-number one so it's the top five? I'm going to tell you that uh, the Ramaya Elliott show brings home, you know, puts North Central at, at number one. I mean, that's okay. yeah, assuming, that assuming she runs four events so um so i guess it, assuming she runs four events but three of them are individual correct so noblesville four warren central three zionsville two north central one right now um Man, it's i'm, gonna be a I'm really intrigued i'm sorry it's gonna be a strong year on the girls yeah it, yeah really i mean it's really tough and, or and it, maybe strong is not a great word but at least close tight competitive yeah tight, yes. i mean at Northrop, Fort Wayne Northrop is this other team that I'm really looking at. I mean, McKenzie, you know, if you want to win, you got to have a stud who can do three or four events. And she is absolutely. And, and the all time great girls track and field program in the state. 
No question, right? So, you know, I I think not that if, that matters, right? I mean, how much do high school kids care about? Well, we won the state championship in 2004. It's like, well, I wasn't born yet, so. Right. Oh, man, that's nuts. Yeah. Uh, Colin was like graduated from college and had his first kid by 2004, I think. <laughs> okay. You know, my kid's two years old, well, <laughs> two and negative six months. So, you know, it's like, yeah. True. Um, but yeah, Northrop is really good. I think, uh, as far as if North Central is going to win or, or whatever, you know, the guy has a little bit more balance, right? It can't be all Ramaya, it's got to be Ramaya plus um, a couple other complimentary points. So, I, I guess those are the four to watch right now. Um, but don't think about or don't forget about uh, Northrop and uh, and maybe Brownsburg as well because Brownsburg's got some some young sprinters and explosive athletes. Okay, top four boys teams. Okay, this one's easier. Um, what is it? Don't put our friendship at risk here, Taylor. <laughs> uh, okay, and it's not easier, but I've got four names for you. So uh, the fourth place, Columbus North. Fourth um, ranked. Fourth ranked. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This is a uh, projected, right? Right. See. This is. I'm thinking about state meet. I'm not thinking about the whole year because that could be different, right? You could sure. have a team. I know a team that only won the sectional and the state meet all year and nothing else. Uh, Columbus North, because they've got 10 points, I would guess, in the shot. Uh, probably a couple points in the distance. <laughs> you would guess. Well, I mean, you know, not uh, this ain't. Season. <laughs> You're making Derek sound like Stephen A. Smith. I guess they have 10 in the shot. Derek and Stephen A. Smith surprisingly have a lot in common, I think. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a Venn diagram with two different a, circles. Yeah. Uh, so it's Smith uh, getting. Uh, uh, it's 10 in the shot, a couple in the discus, and then um, obviously a, a four by eight distance sort of combination with the, with the rest of the Columbus North team. Um, so I think they're sort of in that conversation right there. Um, oh boy. Then we get into the, uh, this is where it gets really close right there. All right. Number three, I'm going to say is center Grove center Grove um, is uh, you know, the best uh, football team in uh, at least this universe and they have athletes who show up for track because their head coach coaches both. Um, so they show up and they had they a used to do wrestling too. I, I believe it. I don't know that. I, fact, but I believe it. I thought he had Eric Moore. Yeah. I thought he did wrestling or he did in order re, football, wrestling and track. That makes that, sense. That is a coach, man. That is my hero. He did yeah. head coach of three. If this is true, he did head coach of three different seasons. And the fact that he still does football and track at a huge school, like a mammoth school. Yeah. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. Well, anyway, he'll produce some sprint athletes that are going to be really strong and score points. And um, the distance program obviously is, is also very good. Um, so you're, you know, you're going to see a third place right there, like rank third, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm going to say only because of what we've seen so far. This is a little risky here. Carmel number two. Um, Carmel, right? Uh, Cole Matisse and Charlie Schumann. Uh, shout three, out. Like, shout out, right? I saw them both today. Guess what? I bet I'll see them both tomorrow. You know what? Maybe I did see both of them today. I actually... Uh, talked a little, talked a little trash because I thought you might, I thought you were going to really get after it on on the run, and yeah. So you thought so, I was going to get after on the run? Watch your back, Alta vote stretching out over there. He's he's going to go. Oh, I was stretching out because I had that late that late chicken sandwich. Yeah, 
I'll do it. Uh, so I didn't, I, yeah, but I, I I actually got myself on hoof out there. I didn't drive myself and illegally park, like quadruple park in the this general announcement for the state. Can't believe that. Who would do such a thing? You know what? You know what? City. We're, we're, we're getting into the uh, the Andy Cowan section of the podcast where it's the audience of one. There's that big empty lot, right? Where you yes. may or may not have illegally parked your car. Where can can you not buy that lot? Warm up. Dude, would you know what should be there? Uh, an indoor track, but it's not big enough. Yeah, go ahead. A Starbucks. Oh. I'm going to bleep this part out. That would be a perfect location for Starbucks. Right by the high school, right by Carmel, right off 31, all that. That's perfect. I'm, I'm cutting this part out because okay. this is a million dollar idea. I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get that okay, three so Carmel, running company money and get a Starbucks there. Yeah. Carmel, Cole Batiste and Charlie Schumann, right? Both uh, score in, in at least one event in the, in the state meet, right? C- conservatively here. Um, the four this by eight. Good in our miscellaneous minute when you mentioned Charlie Schumann. Okay. We'll, we'll keep doing that. Um, the uh, four by eight, again, your four by eight's been a contender for, uh, 20 out of the last 15 years or something like that. Ridiculous. I don't know how well, there was a year North central Venus. Not that I'm too worried about it, but not that oh, it bothers yeah. me. I, I hated that coach. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, look, the, the, they were the team that won by a large margin last year and they returned a lot of guys. Right. Um, and Drew but, Willman. Yeah. I, and they're, they're going to be really good. And uh, their coach knows we are going to be really good. I'm sorry. We are going to be really good. Yeah. Not that we, if you're, you're getting the direct deposit, baby. You got to start oh. changing your pronouns here. Oh, that's, that's a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, that's not the miscellaneous minute. That's not the miscellaneous minute. If you're sticking around for that, the miscellaneous minute, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we're, we're an hour deep, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, as long as you listen to the, the 30 second ad at the beginning, we're good. I get my 1.5 cents split four yeah. ways. So. Um, I, I guess I just put Brownsburg at number one because you know they have who's probably the the athlete who will score the most points uh, at the meet, and and they've got some other complementary pieces that are strong. I mean, he's, he's a contender in three individual events, and th- those those events don't conflict with each other in the sense that you could have a boy, theoretically, anybody, you know. Yeah. No particular school. They have a boy that like he could win the eight, the sixteen, and the thirty-two, but not all three because that's insanity. Yeah, but a guy this kid could, could win go. all three. Yes, and and he's going to win two. He's going two of those. He's going to win and score high in, in the other one if he doesn't win and like, probably contribute. One of them is a more like you said a more volatile event. Yeah, but still score and contribute on a really strong relay um so I yeah think- so what do you do what do you do if you're and, and i apologize i can't think of brownsburg's head coach's name right now but what do you do if you're like i guess the answer is it depends right he's going to do those three events and then and then you put him on the four by one or the four by four i guess you just wherever wherever he could swing at the most yeah i think that's the answer replacement replacement value right you take him out can you score without him can you do you go from eight to nothing you just got to figure that part out yeah just that, like again not look super in depth but may, maybe he runs the four by four uh, only in that it seems like their short sprints are really strong and that might be less of a of a swing but um you're all that's also the last event of the day and you know who knows 
what's happening there. But um, so I think Brownsburg is really good. But look, I, all four of those teams, especially the, you know, Brownsburg, Carmel, Center Grove, I think are just going to be really close um, as um, cool as it would be to watch uh, Carmel run away with it since that's where uh, you said the stipends come from. Show uh, me the money. I thought it was magic. I just wake up and it's in the bank account. I don't know where it is. It's like, you know, floats in there. I don't know. Well, listen, Houdini, it's coming in tomorrow morning. Yeah. So as, as, clo- as cool as that would be, I, I still think that Brownsburg and Center Grove are two really strong teams. And uh, it will make That's a celebration better. if Carmel wins again. Yeah. You, you and me, our undisclosed location in central Indiana, veggie wraps, you know, what more do you want? Craving a veggie wrap said no one ever <laughs> um so those are my uh, top four right there brownsburg carmel Sir grove and columbus north uh you want to talk uh gatorade yes so so gatorade player i i don't know if our coaches association has like a, a mr and mrs track and field but you know the gatorade player of the year which i guess you know you know player and track not yeah. players crush a lot right but so I went through a list of potential. Now, here's here's the interesting thing. Typically, so Mr. Basketball, Mr. Football, those have to be, I, I assume there's a Miss Volleyball, there's a whatever. Those have to be seniors. But Gatorade Athlete of the Year, Gatorade Player of the Year, does not have to be a senior. Yeah. And in fact, in cross country, our Gatorade POIs were both juniors. Yeah. So last year, the Gatorade POI was Addison Wiley, shout out, from Huntington North. She's still in high school. So I listed four potential Gatorade athletes of the year for girls track and field in India. And my four that I listed were Addie Wiley, Ramaya Elliott, Reese Sanders, and Lily Cridge. Three seniors and a junior. Yeah. Correct. So I'm kind of thinking essentially performance at the state meet and multiple events will help if you can win more than one event at the state meet, but also kind of national ranking and r- state records will help. And we'll get into that on, on the boys' side. So considering she was the 2021 winner, it seems like Addie's going to be the 2022 front runner. I, Maybe. It, to I me, it seems a showdown between Wiley and Elliot, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think if Elliot has to sort of come back toward that you and I talked about earlier, then I think that she uh, will win. Um, Especially if she leads. Huntington North is not going to win the state meet in track and field. Right. They're going to score... 20 probably i don't know maybe they got like a random kid in the long jumper disc or whatever but like elliot could not only win three events at the indiana state meet but lead her team to a championship and yeah it's got to count for some i mean i know it's not basketball football it's got to count for something right yeah it it probably does and ramai elliot will probably participate in post season meets postseason meaning after the state meet no count those count that matters as we saw that matters right yeah. so i think 
I think it's uh, uh, between Wiley and Elliott. I agree. I think uh, Sanders could potentially sneak in there. I think we're probably one more year away from Lily Cridge uh, winning that. So I just, I don't think, I mean, with, she won it all, but with, I mean, with this caveat for Cridge, it's not crazy to think that with how tightly compacted it is on the girls' side, that they may need Cridge in a couple events, a couple individual events, not like four by 3,200. Yeah. And if she goes and runs 950 and has the US number one mark over 3,200 and helps the team to a state championship if it's that tightly compacted, because they've got a couple other kind of major. They got a four by four major difference makers. They've got, they've been active early on. They've got a four by four. If they can maybe eke some points out, it's a very well coached track program for, for over a decade now. Well, that's kind of why I threw her on as a, as a potential contender. Yeah. It's almost the cathedral approach from last year on the girl's side. Right. Right. You have on the cathedral approach is, I mean, Reese Sanders is right there. Yeah. And we're just this ultimate high point in girls track and field, which is very, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I think it's between those two, but I wouldn't discount, like you said, Sanders or even maybe Cridge. Okay. On the boys' side, I put in six contenders, considering that the major, the major criteria would be multiple events at the state meet, potentially winning multiple events, as well as high U.S. marks overall. So yeah. the 2021 winner was Tucker Smith from Columbus North, still in high school. Yep. And then I put his major contenders because this, this athlete has a current U.S. number one mark, Brian Stevens from War, I almost said Warsaw, Warren Central. And he's going to be very high up in the high jump and also could score in the pole which oh. I, we're talking, we've talked about Venn diagrams. Like we should have called on our guy, Derek Leininger, my big Venn diagram guy. Like there's, there's a lot of similarities between the high jump and the vault. Yeah. But it is <laughs> to be that good at those, those two events. It's not like being good at the 16 and the 32. It's the same skill set, same ability. There's, yeah. there's still some differentiation between the two. So Tucker Smith, Brian Stevens, John Colquitt from Brownsburg, who we've talked about. And then, um, you know, considering that these are two guys that could win two individual events, Reese Kilbarger Stump from Columbus North, Coleman Thiessen from Carmel shot out. And then I, I put this guy in because I, you hear a lot like, oh, this guy thinks he can run the 400 and the 800 at the state meet. And you, you look at the time schedule and it's like what it takes to run the 400 and then to come back and the 800 is like 30 minutes later, even though you may be good at both, it's like impossible. And every, right. uh, every kid I've ever heard this about, I just shake my head, including kids at Carmel, at least one, shake my head. And I'm like, that's insanity. You're not going to do that. But this is the one kid that I think it could be possible, even given the current uh, order of events. And that's Kiefer Senjin. I, I believe I'm saying it right. If not, let me know how to say it correctly. Uh, including the, the current potential field in the 800, because there could be some pretty strong guys going out I think he can run the, I think he can win the 400 without giving a full effort and recover fast enough to come back and be in the mix of the 800. I really think he could. And I've never, you know, I've, I've been involved as an athlete or a coach in Indiana, or I guess as an Indiana runner, as an analyst 
you know, since 2002, 2003, I've never seen anybody else. Like Eugene Ellis tried it. That was probably the closest to Kiefer over the last 20 years. And it it didn't work well. And I know on the girl side, some people have tried it and it's just too hard of a double. But if anybody could figure it out, it's this kid and that team. Well, that would be incredible. I don't think they're going to, I don't know that they're going to try it. But this is the first kid I've ever seen the first boy or girl I've ever seen to be like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. It's not crazy. Yeah. So those, well, those would be the six I would say. I would put it to two. I, I think it's between Smith and Colquitt because on the one hand, you, yeah, you're taking the field. Um, Smith again, I'm taking the uh, field. I'm taking my guy. Will will likely uh, throw over 70 feet. And will be one of uh, are we sure? Are we sure Kiefer can't throw the shot like sixty five feet? I'm gonna call his coach and tell him he's down. He's, he's pretty incredible tossing that ball around. Um, so it, you know, so again, he'll have the high national ranking, and then we'll look at Colquitt, who who could again win a couple events, place high, and maybe another one or two, and whose team is in the thick of the running uh, as of right now. So I I, I would put it down those. I think. Uh, if Stevens could do like a high jump pole vault double, that would be really cool. Um, I don't know if there's a distance bias, but this has been a long award. Like this has been since before we were born, they've been giving out the Gatorade player of the year. It's like 85 or something. And um, there have been a lot more distance runners that win this than I would think. Okay. And they've all won multiple events at the state meet. So, in fact, I think that with the exception of Drew Shields, any distance runner that won more than one event at the state meet has won the Gatorade Player of the Year. Well, I I mean, that makes sense. It's so hard. That's why. Because it's so much harder to win. Well, because how many guys have done it, right? I mean, Austin Mudd, Christian Wagner, Drew Shields. Now, I don't think Drew Shields won it. Ben Veach, Cole Hawker. I think that takes us back until like 1995. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to win in a single class state to win two distance events. Yeah. And it's so, impossible to win the 400, 800. As of now. We'll see. We'll see. Nothing's impossible. Um, do you want to do the miscellaneous minute? Miscellaneous minute. All right. We're way over time, but you know what? As long as you listen to the ad at the beginning, then I get, we, we get our 1.5 cents. That's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, otherwise the con the content's free. You're paying nothing for this NBA trade deadline. I know you want to talk about the Super Bowl. Who cares? I, uh, I've heard this like, Oh, the great, this is, you know, it's like, Hey, here's the pie chart of what Americans want for the Super Bowl. And it's like a tiny sliver of Rams and a tiny sliver of Bengals. And then it's like the rest of the country's like, what a great Super Bowl. Like, really? Is it Rams and Bengals? Like, well, these are, these are a great Super Bowl. The Colts win. That's a great Super Bowl. Uh, 2007. These are non uh, game related prop bets, but you want to talk about trade deadline? We can trade deadline. This has been, I, the woe, the woe, the woe bombs have, have just decimated the landscape. Yeah. And we've been looking through it. First of all, let's start with our own team. Okay. okay. You're in the you're in the skip ahead portion. Thanks for listening to the ad. Now that I had the floor, the Pacers were sellers at the deadline. Yeah, big time. To put it mildly. So send out Levert. You get nothing back. Ricky Rubio's contract. He's not going to – I don't think he's even going to 
why would he even travel to Indiana? I mean, like, he's just going to, okay, hey, your contract's over. We'll see you. Keep it moving. Although, I don't know. Kevin Pritchard and Larry Bird have always loved Ricky Rubio. Um, then you get a first round pick, a low pick for Levert. Everybody cheer against the Cavs from here on out, which historically has been very easy to do and uh, very fruitful. Cheer against the Cavs when LeBron's not on the team, but now they're good. And then the ultimate swap, which is it essentially comes down to there's like, I was going to say, you know how the, the, the NBA salary cap works, but it's so complicated. No one knows how it works. But Sabonis and Justin Holiday for Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton. But really what it comes down to is Sabonis for Halliburton. Right. And I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Rick James via the Chappelle show here. I wish I had more thumbs so I could give this trade. I wish I had more hands so I give this trade four thumbs up. I had no idea which Rick James quote you were going to use. And I'm glad you picked that one. Well, that's why we're, that's why I'm the skip ahead portion. I mean, that is the ultimate that you got to decide. You, you can't play two centers. It's it's yeah. it's not it's not 1983. So you got to trade one of those centers for some guards. And the fact that you could trade Sabonis for Halliburton is huge, huge. Yeah. That's a minor trade in the landscape of the whole league, because we've been we've been we've been in our our shelters are to protect from the woge bombs for many hours now. Hunker down, yeah. Well, hopefully uh, this will be the the move the Pacers need to get better. Three head coaches in three years, so maybe it wasn't the coach. It ain't, ain't going to be four in four years. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, um, maybe it wasn't the coach. So. Uh, hopefully this combination of players will, will get us up and going and, you know, we can finish the season strong and look into next year with some optimism and uh, get some butts in the seats down the street from my house. And, well, maybe, uh, but some of us are too busy to go to the games. So. Some are too busy. I told you the weekend. Uh, here's a, you know what, we'll put them on television too, right? The one provider in the entire wow. city who has the game to show um, then the, the Sixers had, uh, some big, uh, big deals. They, I mean, that's the big one, right? Yeah. You know, that's we, we'll trade you our problem for your problem. Right. I'll chop off my arm. If you chop off your leg, uh, your I mean, if that's the case Hardy. though, obviously if that's the call, what do you do? Uh, arm. Yeah. Arm. <laughs> what, do you, arm. what do you mean? Uh, yeah. Arm. Yeah. Arm. Um, here, speaking I'd of, I'd rather do of, both uh, arms than one leg. Well, no, I don't know. I got to feed myself. Nah, you get, well, whatever. You get the little dinosaur grips, you know? Oh, that's true. Uh, speaking of James Harden, by the way, as you and I have been on this podcast. The uh, ulti- the ultimate sports villain now. The uh, ultimate, yeah. like, yeah, just I, just turn your nose up. James Harden. I, 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 the, detest, I detest that. Well, you're not the only one. Because at the NBA All-Star game, Right, which is not happening yet, but they are picking. So back when you and I were kids sitting in front of the television, back in my day, watching the slam dunk contest and the three-point shootout, and the next day it was the Eastern Conference taking on the Western Conference, and we were cheering for the East because Red sure Miller was. was out there draining threes. Baby. Yeah, and his chili pepper teal uniform, 1996, baby. And we loved it. Now they do some kind of schoolyard pick them, right? Where you have two captains 
and the captain's uh, pick and gym class, right? Do you want to know who was picked last in gym class? Oh, I don't want to know because I already know. It was Taylor Marshall. Oh, that was some tough memories to bring back right there. Oh, Lawrence Township. Lawrence Township, Belzer Middle School. Shout out. Um, so LeBron James and Kevin Durant are the captains. And ESPN sent a nice little update while we were talking. And it says, LeBron James and Kevin Durant have a laugh as Durant passes on James Harden with his final pick. Two guys who used to be teammates in OKC. And, uh, you know, isn't Durant in, in, uh, in Brooklyn now or whatever? Yeah, so, so Harden played for Brooklyn. Yeah. And Duran is uh, clearly a little upset and Harden just got, I mean, he just got Regina George, right? Like, yeah, you, ca- you can't sit with us. Yeah. He just got, he just got mitt. Nothing. You can't be in the conference. No, no, yeah. don't mention that though. Well, I'll bleep that out. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, the NBA, the NBA, the NBA is, I was texting a friend of mine who I'm sure listens to this. Like, it's just infinitely more interesting. The human element of the NBA is so infinitely more interesting than any other major professional sport. Other than there's a bunch of stuff about hockey that's like Canadian and we don't get. I'm sure that's like crazy. But the NBA is so much more interesting with this human element that like James Harden is just like, you know, wearing sweatpants for the second time that week and somebody stands up and is like, you can't sit with us. He's like, those rules aren't real. And and Harden, you know, Brooklyn's like, it was real that time I wore that vest. Yeah. And Harden goes, that's because that vest was disgusting. Steve Nash goes, you can't sit with us. Not sit with us, yeah. Go to Philadelphia. And James Harden will not win a title in Philly either, so... Fear the beard. Maybe he'll shoot the ball 40 times and uh, score 27 points. I mean, like the general, you know, social media, take that for what it's worth. But like Lambast Durant for uh, you went to the Warriors. That was just such a, you know, such a soft move. And, and LeBron and you're ring chasing and you're going around or whatever. Like Harden went to. I almost said New Jersey. That shows how old I am. I said this at practice today, too, when we were talking about it. I still call Washington the bullets. But, like, Harden soaks his way out, demands his way out of Houston to go to Brooklyn because he thinks it's going to be an easy championship because they've got Durant and Irving. Surprise, COVID. You got to get vaccinated to play in New York City. Yeah whatever do whatever you want but one of them doesn't want to do it and now he's like oh it's not gonna be as easy as i thought and now i want out again yeah and i just want to get my way to my like preferred general manager which is weird yeah and like whatever i mean props to props to maury you know the philadelphia general manager who's like i'm not gonna trade I'm not going to trade Simmons for anything less than what he's worth and ends up with Harden because he just, he's just like, I, I told somebody else this, another, another dis- track, another distance running coach in Indiana that is also an NBA fan. So it's a, it's a real small sample size there if you're trying to pick out who this is. But like, 
I said, James Harden is Daryl Morey's like Charlie Schumann. We're just like, you know, with me, it's like, oh, dude, Charlie Schumann is like a really good runner. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 we know, we know. Yeah, yeah but the, no, no, no. The and I'm like, no, 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 you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand like I do. Charlie Schumann is a really good runner. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah cool, man. And Daryl Morey is just like, no, 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 James Harden is the best basketball player ever. Yeah, but Charlie Schumann is also a good kid who, when you see in the hallway, you're like, what's up, Charlie Schumann? And he's like, hey, coach, how are you? Right? Hope you have a good day. Yeah, no no kidding. I'm not sure that's the persona that James Harden has presented to the public the past several years. So I don't know how much the the Venn diagram of James Harden and Charlie Schumann overlap. Yeah, not a lot, other than the fact that yeah, no, like none at all. But yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't think Harden, and maybe this isn't right, the way that we perceive athletes and, and interact with athletes, but I don't. And the way that LeBron didn't understand what was kind of coming with public perception when he left for Miami and they had the whole celebration and all of that. Right. I, I'm not sure that James Harden understands what's what's right or wrong understands what's coming with this. And the same thing with Ben Simmons. And uh, I mean, there's, there's also a, I didn't, you know, we're in the skip ahead portion anyways, but like, I also, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure that's right. That that's the way that we treat athletes. And that's the, you know, that, that we just say, well, they make millions of dollars. We can do whatever we want. And I, I'm the guy too, that like, I, I went to Paul George's first game back in Indiana when the yeah. thunder came to Indiana, it was a good game. I, I refuse to boo former T former athletes from, from our teams. So I'll, I'll say that at least, but who. It's the mob. Players. It's the mob mentality, and we can be we can be pretty nasty to some of these to some of these athletes. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, uh, yeah, but I I think you know ultimately a James Harden or Paul George or whatever they don't they don't really care what. I mean, people want to be like they they care they care. I mean they they can anybody can part can compartmentalize their life, but. It's got to be tough to be in an arena when there's 20,000 people booing you. Well, listen, I'll do it for half of what they make, but I'm just, as long as you get those 40 shots, man. Tough. Yep. <laughs> 40, 40 shots and 35 free throws. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, this is the long, this might be the longest podcast on record. It's free. It's free. We say All enjoy the show. Stop. Come back later if you didn't like it. You know, it's yeah, okay. It's, this the podcast is real and it's spectacular. Anything else? Um, I no, that's it. Have a great weekend. I'm sorry that I will uh miss you tomorrow afternoon, but um yeah, we could have gone to watch the game because I don't have cable, so I'm gonna have to go somewhere to watch it if I want. How about your neighbor? Your neighbor got cable, you can pirate that. Na- neighbor, what is this? 1993? I'm gonna go to my neighbor's house. No, no, no. You pirate the cable. I, I left my iPad at school. I don't think I could do that. Uh, <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I will see you every day for the next, I don't know, how old are we? 30 years? Sounds good. 25 years. Let's be conservative on our estimate.
Yeah. No, well, no, 30 coaching, but 25 teaching. <laughs> well, see who the, who the athletic director is at that point. All right. Thanks. See you.